Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Dave Wilson, I've known for a long, long time. In fact, he and I talked on the phone last night about some memories of covering junior college basketball, ESPN.com. We're going to get to a story he wrote, the Nick Saban retirement about Pee Wee from Grand Bay, the call-in tradition for Alabama's show with Eli Gold. But uh, Dave also was at the national championship game, covered the Texas and Washington game, the Sugar Bowl, and college football overall. Dave, thanks for your time, Craig and Paul and, and Smokey. So uh, when you walk out of the stadium after Michigan pretty much, to me, didn't manhandle Washington, but dictated that game, what were your overall thoughts about Michigan overall as a, as a national championship team? Uh, just a, quite a throwback team, you know. I mean, they just they really want to man up and run the ball and run over you, and that's what they were able to do. Um, and I just thought, you know, it's, it's the type of football you don't see a lot anymore. Um, and uh, it's something that, you know, Jim Harbaugh had made a point over the last few years that this is – we still want to be this kind of team, and, and they made it all the way to a national championship by doing it. Dave, you uh, you wrote about Nick Saban, and, you know, I, I texted my wife last week when the story broke, and I was like, Nick Saban is retiring. Oh, my gosh. And she's like, she's like you seem really excited. I said, this is just like – there's not going to be another coach retirement that affects things in this way ever again. Like, I mean, it, what are your feelings on it overall as just somebody who covers college football on what it really means for not now, but just in the future that we're probably never going to see somebody like him again. Yeah. I mean, I think you see it right now with all the kids leaving Alabama to go other places. I think people went there to play for Nick Saban by this point. And in an era where brands of schools don't even mean that much anymore, um, you know, playing for Nick Saban did matter. Guys would knew they were going to go to Alabama. They knew they were going to wait two or three years to play, and they still did it because of the respect they afforded him and the idea that, sure, I could probably make more money in NIL somewhere else, but I'm going to make more money in the long run in the NFL if I get to learn from somebody like Nick Saban. So, Dave, uh, you got the article on ESPN earlier this week. Uh, I was reading through a really good stuff there. What kind of spawned the idea and and getting into this side of the story? You know, I think around here we always talk about how hard it is to sort of as, uh, you know, Daryl Royal used to say, get the BBs in the box. Hmm. You know, how you could wrangle everybody together, row in the same direction, and get, get things done. And, you know, we watched that. You know, the difficulty of that at A&M in Texas for 25 years. And I thought one of the most remarkable things that Nick Saban did at Alabama was he was able to keep everybody at bay. Um, and it wasn't always, you know, they weren't always winning national championships. You know, he lost to Louisiana Monroe his first season. And I know that was a, a blip. And, and that's just the reality of taking over a program and instilling your way. But 
you know, that job, like the Texas job, seems to just eat people alive. And people forget about that long run they had of Mike DuBose and Mike Shula and all these different coaches that come through there. And I just was always marvel at the way Nick Saban could handle people and especially the passion, if you want to call it that, of the fans in Tuscaloosa. And I thought the radio show was a perfect example of that. It was a different side of Nick Saban than you ever heard or saw. He genuinely loved going out there and mixing it up with the fans. He took questions, which a lot of people don't even do anymore, live. And um, you saw how you saw what made him a good recruiter. You saw the way he related to people, the way he could deal with people. And I just was always fascinated by that. And I thought, you know, when Nick Saban retired, everyone's going to write about the legacy and how what a great coach he is in the national championship. But I thought one of the one of the ways that he was great was his ability to handle the pressure. And to me going and sitting in front of those fans and answering questions and doing it the way he did it for 17 years was remarkable. Yeah, because you can have a coach that I don't think he's a control freak, and yet again, he controlled everything, that part of what he did, and he said he was going to have one voice at Alabama would be the toughest challenge for people to let that happen. But unlike a Bill Belichick or maybe a couple of other guys, he was a personality at that restaurant or sports bar and I, I, I saw that show with Eli Gold a few times. And he really, like you would think maybe there's a question, but he handled even though he just handled it well. Um, and, and then, of course, there's the story about Pee Wee. How much, though, with Eli Gold being involved was also a great thing, too? Absolutely. I mean, it's, this, you know, the, one of the gold standard of these, of these voices of college football. And, you know, these guys don't – you don't usually hear these guys stick around anymore. They all – the the Munsons at Georgia and, you know, all those type of booming voices that you just associate with the school. I mean, we're lucky we have Craig Way in Austin and we're, you know, the great Craig Way. And, you know, uh, as Dave South, you could always tell when the Aggies were on when you're flipping channels when you heard Dave South's voice. But Eli is such a pro and he's so, um, you know, he's so smart and quick on his feet. And together, those guys were genuinely entertaining, and they were funny. And I don't think people expected that out of the Nick Saban show when it first started. Yeah, Dave, I've I've watched. Uh, I mean, coaches. Oh, I mean, like they they pull back on it. They don't do it anymore. I mean, Art Bryles absolutely when he was here would have rather gotten a root canal twice a week than do that show for 30 minutes. He, he just, it wasn't him uh, at all. Uh, and to me, what does it say that Nick Saban, like, you know, because people in Alabama, like they, they're two losses and they're calling up with Nick and going, Hey, uh, do you need to retire? Or like, what's going on? Have you lost your grip when really things weren't that bad? He could just take it all. Yeah, I mean, the, the the example in the top of my story, and it, it went crazy on social media this year and all the websites, was, you know, they lose to Texas. They got manhandled up front. But, I mean, that was such a rare loss. That was the first home non-conference loss since that Louisiana Monroe game in, in 2007, I believe. And, um, you know, he had – it had been that long. And so – you would think going in there, people, everyone knew that this was going to be a challenging year for Saban and this young team with a new quarterback again. And so you would think going in there, people would be angry. And first caller is Pee Wee from Grand Bay, 250 miles away, right on the Mississippi border. And he loved to talk about the offensive line, and they got pushed around. And so 
they say, first up, we have Pee Wee from Grand Bay. And before he can say a word, Saban goes, well, Pee Wee, man, I've been waiting to talk to you, man. You know, and he breaks it all down. They're getting pressure on us without a blitz. They're getting three-man pressure, four-man. <laughs> and he says, well, what the hell's going on? And, you know, and the whole crowd is already laughing. Saban is smiling, and Pee Wee is already disarmed. And, well, you said a mouthful, Coach. You said it all. You know, and I thought – it's just such a different, you know, by by the day the coaches show ran on Thursday, he had already processed the week before. It was his day to sort of look forward to playing. Everyone said that he couldn't wait to go to it every week. He genuinely loved getting out of the office and getting away from talking ball all day and going out and just talking to people. And he would go out and he would kiss babies and he would shake hands and he would sign autographs. Um, and so I thought that was a good example of that this year when everyone knew this year was going to be a tough year. They come out, they have a pretty tough loss, and he's out there cracking jokes to the first caller. And I thought, you know, that to me exemplified how he his master his his mastery of this of this whole whole operation. Did he ever? Uh, and I, how many times did he ever meet Pee Wee? He probably, I don't know, maybe five, five or six times. Right. And he he said Pee Wee said he ran into uh, or he went to a charity event in Mobile one year, and. Um, and he was just kind of minding his business, and some woman he had never seen before came up to him and said, "Hey, are you Pee Wee?" And he said, uh, "Yes, ma'am." And he said, "Well, I'm I'm Miss Terry's assistant, oh. and uh, we we wanted you to have this football, and it was a signed an autographed football from Nick and Terry Saban." And um, you know, he was just floored by that. And then he said, "You know, he had a car accident, and the Saban sent him some these like chocolate covered apples." He missed the iron ball with a broken leg because somebody ran a stop sign and hit him, <laughs> broke oh. his leg, and uh, on the way to the game, and Saban found out about it, and or somebody did, and they sent him these apples. And then, you know, if Pee Wee said in recent years, both his parents died, and both times there was a huge floral arrangement from from uh, Nick and Terry Saban at the funeral. I mean, I just thought that was remarkable. Uh, there's the story about Eli Gold that you wrote about, the great broadcaster, Hall of Famer, um, legendary, that he had to battle uh, uh, stage one, stage three cancer. And so they had to cut back his broadcast duties. But there was one thing he said, leave it alone. I must be a part of it, right? That's right. He said, please don't take the Nick Saban show away from me because he genuinely felt like, each week, he got an education in football. He said, the man is a teacher. If you ask him what he does today, you know, he'll tell you that he's a teacher and that's all he ever wanted to be. And so Eli, even through his Hall of Fame career, has seen a lot of football and just said, I've always felt like I learned something every week from him. And he said, you know, if you come away from, if you come away from working or dealing with Nick Saban without having learned anything, then that's on you. That's not on Nick Saban. Besides the obvious, his success, the legend, uh, greatest ever, what will Alabama f- recruiting, we've already seen that, the roster, what do you think Oklahoma fan, or, excuse me, Alabama fans may miss more about him that they don't think about right now? I mean, it's hard to imagine that level of consistency. Um, you know, you take that for granted. We've seen that, right? You saw it when Phil Fulmer left Tennessee. They you know, this is different. Saban obviously goes out on top. But there were a lot of places where they thought people weren't good enough, and then they've never been that good again. You look at Nick Saban. I mean, you look at – not Nick Saban. You look at Phil Fulmer. You look at R.C. Slogan. You look at all these places. People 
don't realize how rare it is to be consistently good. And in Saban's case, consistently great. And so that's something that you almost take for granted after 17 years and all those 10, 11, 12 win seasons, all those, I mean, they, all the bowl games they won. Um, it's just, a, that's the one thing that I don't think you can duplicate. Dave Wilson, ESPN.com. He was at that Sugar Bowl game, Washington, Texas, covered the retirement of Nick Saban and also gave us a great nudge uh, to Chris Lowe yesterday from ESPN to be a part of our show, and he was at the national championship game. So you've seen what Saban and Alabama have now lost with his retirement, and DeBoer's going to try to regroup all of that. I'll get to that in a second. But how much of the timing of Alabama losing Saban Sarkeesian recruiting part of that roster, not everybody, but some of those players, and how they have more than filled some of the empty spaces from the players they had that were leaving because of eligibility or the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, that's one thing that, that Sark has done a really remarkable job of is building. So he built the, the lines um, through high school recruiting, and they've, those guys have developed, and then he's been supplementing some skill position guys. Um, you know, A.D. Mitchell from Georgia, uh, he's added all these people. And all of a sudden, you know, now they're going to re- re- replace those guys that he plugged in with, you know, guys like Isaiah Bond, guys like the linebacker. And they're, those are big, big um, ads for a team that really is pretty stacked, although they do lose a lot. But, um, you know, that's, Texas right now has it rolling in that regard. They've been able to, you know, win a lot of high-profile battles. And, you know, the, the thing is that obviously they, you know, you talk to coaches, they're like, well, they're, that roster was head and shoulders above anybody else in the Big 12 last year. Um, next year they won't be, so that'll be interesting to watch. But I do think, you know, they've done a, they've done a really good job of getting that thing up to speed. I thought about this uh, yesterday. I brought this up, not on the show, but when they joined the Big 12 – um, Nebraska was basically running college football along with Florida State and a couple of other schools. Florida had Spurrier, Tennessee, Fulmer. And when they joined the Big 12, there were some rules changes, Prop 48, whatever. Nebraska had to do that because of where they are. And Osborne left two years after the Big 12 was formed in a national championship team. The year they joined the SEC, the year before, Nick Saban's leaving. Alabama has been rolling. How fortunate is that? It is. And I think, you know, if you look at, there's a lot of that, a lot of changes there. And um, like name drop alert here, but Barry Switzer told me one time that Tom Osborne told him that he truly felt like Nebraska's recruiting territory in the future would be to the north and to the east. And I think if you look at when they moved to the Big Ten and they tried to do that, it did not work. So now they have a guy like Matt Rule up there who's trying to reconnect sure. Texas yep. where they had a lot of those things. So there are some geographical issues obviously there, and they they really, truly hated, uh, you know, sort of Texas's influence over the Big 12 like a lot of schools did, especially in those early years. So it's a, you know, they felt like the office moving to Dallas, the championship game moving down here, all those things were a, uh, were a nod to the, to the South, and they didn't appreciate that. So um, – you know, it is crazy to watch that. And, again, that's another place where you, you think about Saban. You see when Tom Osborne retires, and they thought Frank Solich wasn't good enough. And, I mean, they would kill yep. for Frank Solich's mm-hmm. record now. So, 
I do think it's remarkable. I'll tell you a quick Nick Saban story. Nick Saban used to come to Bristol, Connecticut, for the what they called the car wash, where they would do all the shows in one day, the radio shows. And I was a nobody um, and that worked on page two, which is a part of the site that doesn't exist anymore. But I would have a 10-minute slot on there on the car wash. And Nick said, I would ask the weirdest questions I could because that was my job on page two was to ask them things nobody else asked them. So I would ask them things like, you know, what's the craziest thing you ever ate on a recruiting visit or things like that. And so Saban seemed to really genuinely enjoy it. Like he would get really excited about talking about something that wasn't about his quarterback or wasn't about his middle linebacker. And so uh, the next year he came and just sat down in front of me. And then he said, what are we going to talk about this year? And I said, well, hey, coach, uh, you know, unfortunately, it's not your turn yet. It's Les Miles' turn. And he said, well, who cares? They'll figure it out. I want to talk about my boat jam. And he wanted to sit and talk about his, his new system he put on his pontoon boat at Lake Burton in Georgia and how he got, he's got an iTunes system. And he's got Hootie and the Blowfish. and He's got the Eagles and Michael Jackson and all this stuff on there. And I remember just being floored. This guy – who does whatever he does all year long, and the number of people he has to shake hands with. He remembered little old me from Kilgore, Texas, asking him about dumb questions, and he couldn't wait to come do it again. That's awesome. And I think, I think that's the ma- how why he was so masterful at it. He made people feel good. He made people feel important. Um, he made people feel like they were part of everything. So I'll never forget that. I thought that was really remarkable. Um, and he was always cool when we did that. And you saw a whole different side of his personality than than when you saw him slamming the podium with a Coke ball in front of him or screaming at, you know, officials or something. Yeah, it's almost like by the time he got to his radio show Thursday, he had vented. That doesn't mean he still wasn't pushing his team, but he had kind of gotten everything out, even if they had won 46 to nothing or or maybe 21-20, or maybe even, God forbid, lost a game. By Thursday, that's why I think that show was so much fun. Eli was great at what he does and then Pee Wee. Last thing, I want Dave, I want you to share the story. When Texas OU story in the SEC popped in the summer of 2021, tell everybody about what you did. I shared a story about when I was in television, when I went against the grain of what the news director and executive producer wanted me to do, and it turned out to be the right decision. I got a bonus for it, and I also got suspended for five days. But tell everybody about how you hustled and what you were not supposed to do, but how you found Kevin Eltife, the president well, at the University of Texas. It's, it's not, uh, I mean, it's not ideally the most, uh, you know, it, I wouldn't <laughs> say it's the most impactful thing, but I did, I did, uh, you know, I'll, you know, Smokey knows this, but East Texas is a small world, and, and people that are from East Texas tend to, uh, you know, it's a handshake with other East Texans on, on site, you know, and, um, so I had an editor from uh, from from Boston who I basically said, I need to go to East Texas and find this guy. He's the chairman of the Board of Regents. They're the ones, you know, steering this thing. And they basically told me, no, you know, that it wasn't worth the mileage. It wasn't worth 10 hours of driving that day for me to do it. And so I went up there, and it turns out the Texas Exes were having a having a meeting uh, that night, and they were honoring the, the alumnus of the year, Kevin Eltife, and uh, – Chris Delcani and the athletic director and Jay Hartzell, the president, were also there. And I just kind of decided, hey, this might be a good place to hang out a little bit. And uh, I got there, and sure enough, I uh, met Mr. Eltife, and uh, he managed to remember my dad from Kilgore in East Texas from when they were both mayors at the same time. And so we had, got to have a little conversation. I wouldn't, 
I wouldn't say I broke any news or got any scoop or anything, but it was a it was a really cool thing, and it was just a good reminder of the power of uh, growing up in a small town and 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 knowing folks. So it was a it was a cool cool evening, but it was it was very funny. They put us at a table over in the corner, and they're like, "You guys, we're not allowed to say anything to you guys today." Mm. Um, but uh, but it was a it was a fun evening, and a nice uh, nice way to to get back up and shake a few hands and meet some folks, which is the name of the game, I guess, in our business. I've asked this and let you go. You're writing and have written for ESPN.com. You can do that anywhere based on, obviously, the Internet, email, whatever, posting, blogs, et cetera. Where do you live? Do you still live in Dallas or is it, uh, is it East Texas? Where are you? No, I'm in uh, Cedar Park, just north of Austin. Oh, on that's the okay. Upper okay. 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 I just kind of. You know, I think uh, obviously for I, I'm passionate about covering schools in Texas, and and you know I enjoy Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. But I grew up, you know, my neither of my parents went to college. Um, they didn't really have an affiliation. My dad every weekend would just kind of find the best game. We would always go to A and M Texas. We would always go to Texas OU. I was pretty fortunate that way. I remember going to the Blue Bonnet Bowl in Houston, and so I just um, Blue Bonnet Bowl. I yeah. just wanted to be back here at all the schools that that I love to cover and, you know, centrally located. I can be at Baylor. I can be at A&M. I can be in Houston. I can be TCU, you know, wherever. So it's a little bit of a drive to Lubbock, but I still want to get back out there. It's been a while, but no, that's uh, part of why, why I'm here just to be, to be able to get anywhere pretty quickly. Thanks for your time. Great story on uh, Saban, Pee Wee and Eli gold and uh, the uh, softer side, so to speak uh, of Nick Saban. And we've tried to cover every different angle on that. Dave Wilson, ESPN.com, with his wrote the story, Saban Pee Wee from Grand Bay and Alabama's call-in show tradition. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.